This is Work of the Beat. It is Wednesday, October 28, 2020. I'm Kevin Cooney, along with Mike Kern. Glad you could join us on a special edition. Given everything going on, it's almost a two-part edition because of, obviously, the World Series ending last night, the whole Justin Turner situation, uh, the Sixers today hiring Daryl Morey, reportedly, according to Woj and and Shams, uh, Mike's buddies, uh, and obviously Penn State having a huge game this weekend against Ohio State. Not as huge as it looked last week, but still pretty big. Wisconsin doesn't have a huge game this week. No, they don't. And obviously the Eagles and Cowboys. So what we're doing is we're going to break this up. The two football t- uh, games, we're going to break up into part one here. And now will be one episode. And then everything else will be a second episode. That includes our football picks, which will be in this one. So just want to give you a heads up. If you're looking for anything other than football, it's going to be on the other podcast. Mike Silski will join us on that one. Michael, how are you? I'm fine. I um, just wanted to explain this to everybody. <laughs> so that, That's fine. I, I'm just going to say something that, that I guess is political, but I mean, I don't mean it this way, but it's <laughs> oh. no, no, because no, you're going to make me Turner. cringe, but go ahead. Well, because of the Justin Turner thing that, you know, we're, we're obviously is out there in front of us, whatever. Yeah. So Wisconsin has a game canceled. Yep. Uh, the Midwest is now being kind of besieged. Maybe that's a bad word. I don't know if that's the right Cases word. Cases are rising everywhere. Cases are rising everywhere. But games are being canceled. The Boston Marathon just got canceled. Until next fall. Maybe. Yeah. Like, if they can do it. The Super Bowl, they just said they're going to have limited seating, whatever. All, all these things that we see happening. The, the, the Champions League in Europe which Europe is a mess, is, is now, I think, going back on their thing of 20% mm-hmm. fans or something like that. France has but, just closed down for four weeks. What was that? France has now closed down for four weeks. Okay. But we are being told by leadership, oh. the people that we look to, that we can't cower to this. We can't, like, it's not really that, like, like I, am, I, am I the person, like, am I not getting it? Or, or am I just living in a fantasy world? Or I think everybody sees it right now in their own perspective by what they think they're going to pull the lever on, or you've already pushed, you know, your pen right. mark on. Um, mm-hmm. look, it's there. I mean, but you know, you, we, I will you, let me let me play devil's advocate. Sure, the the level of fatalities has gone down. Uh, yes, because and therapeutics, that's great. and that's great. But yes, it's still infections. I can tell you, my mom's best friend is in the hospital right now with it. So it's. it's I had there. a friend of mine that just called me from Florida that about a month ago said, you know, it's hard for me to get into this because I don't know anybody that's got COVID. Right. I said, I get it. Well, she called me uh, today or we talked. Her uncle was in the hospital for seven days because of COVID. Okay. And her words to me were, now I get it. Like, now I understand. And look, I'm not saying you can vote for the president. If you think politically, I have no problem. If you think he's better than Joe Biden at running the country, that's fine. But you can vote for him and still understand that the virus is, I don't understand why the two are mutually exclusive. Wow. Like I can, I can, you know, I can say, Hey, I like what he does financially. I like this. I like this, whatever, but put a goddamn mask on. And I am. And look, let's be honest. It's our last, well, no, we may have a show next week before the election. Um, But I hope not. It, well, it's uh, 
uh, it, it's just you know this is this is the. But do you understand what I'm saying? I understand. No, Kevin, why, I understand. Why does one? Yeah, you can vote for the president because you feel he's the better person for the job. Right. That's your right as an American, and if you feel that way, I'm not going to argue right. with that. Let's also just state the obvious: vote, vote this week. Oh, you know, yeah. whether, whether you're Republican, Democrat, Independent, yeah. vote. This is the one time every four years get, that you we, have a we, shot to influence stuff. My wife and I went up to George Washington the other day, high school, because stu- – and I knew what was going to happen. But anyway, because maybe try to early vote. It was le- it was a two-and-a-half-hour wait. So we're just going to do it. I already you know, have done that, year. my man. Well, yeah, you're, you're smarter than me. And I, I'm assuming when I go around the corner at 630 to the little school around the street from me, I'm, I'm going to be okay. All maybe you're going to do is drop off your ballot, right? I don't have a drop-off ballot. You don't we're, have a mail? Gonna- you don't have a mail ballot? I I didn't I just th- thought I was going to vote in person. Okay, all right. Because I'm stupid. You know, I that's what I've done for 62 years. All right, I'm stupid. So that's our public service. Please vote. Yeah. No matter what, this week. Yeah, because uh, people have have died for that right. A lot for your right to do that. Yep. When we come back, Dave Jones of the Patriot News will join us. We'll get into all things Penn State, which includes some basketball talk too, because of what happened with Pat Chambers. Dave will join us. That's next here on Working. The beat. Penn State has a national audience coming to uh, Happy Valley this week, even if they won't be going to Happy Valley, uh, as Ohio State rolls into State College, fresh off the loss last week, the controversial loss to Indiana, we should point out. And uh, obviously a lot of things going on up at uh, State College. So when anything Big Ten comes up, including, you know, what's going on at Wisconsin a little bit, we turn to Dave Jones. Uh, the longtime Penn State writer and college sports writer for the Patriot News and Penn Live. Uh, Dave, how are you? I'm ready to go, boys. <laughs> Eight more weeks, maybe. We'll see. How many weeks do you think they'll actually get through at this point? I don't know, man. I always said that it was going to be whack a mole, whoever tried this. And. I honestly didn't think the Big Ten would go at it, and they didn't intend to, and then they, I think they got a, kind of got forced into it uh, by a lot of their own fans and the other leagues. I, I kind of think they, they thought everyone else would go along with them, but only the Pac-12 to, did. So, you know, doing this with college athletics is much different than doing it with NFL teams with billion-dollar owners where they can pay for any protocol that's needed mm-hmm. and write it off. It's not a problem. These operations are big businesses, but they're not that big. And they can't do all the things that pro operations – you know, if you saw Hard Knocks, were you guys watching Hard Knocks yes. on HBO this year? Yeah. I watched a little bit of it enough to see – what the Rams and Chargers were doing with protocol. The outside just, weight you know, rooms and... Oh, it was da- yeah. Yeah, but daily testing. Yep. And I don't think the Big Ten thought that they could pull this off until the cheap, um, quick turnaround antigen testing became available, and then they went, oh, okay, okay, we'll try it. All right, Mike, go ahead. But as you can see, Wisconsin, that's not... The testing isn't the only answer. I mean, really, until anything's going to be normal, we got to get a vaccine. That's all there's to yeah. it, especially in college athletics. Yeah. Mike, yeah, and and I mean it, it. This the whole season to me, Dave, has been so disjointed. And I understand you know it's going to be like that, just like baseball had its issues and stuff. But at some point, I just wonder, like, if we get another three weeks into this and it really starts to come apart, which it might not. Um, like, just like why? Like, you know why? Because there's a lot of money. I, Mike, I, you know, yeah, you know why? Yeah. 
Yeah, I know why. I know why. But but I mean, there was also a ton of political pressure to do it this year as well. I mean, you talk about fan pressure. It was political pressure. Look, yeah, I mean, but they could have fulfilled the contract within 70, 80 percent playing in the spring. Mm-hmm. So the political the political pressure did have a bearing on that. They could have fulfilled the contract playing in the spring, but that wouldn't have satisfied any of the fans or the coaches. The coaches hated it. Jeff Brom from Purdue came up with a plan uh, who just got <laughs> tested COVID positive, by yeah. the way, last week. Uh, he, he came up with a viable plan for playing in the spring with low contact up until then, late start next fall. Seemed to make sense, especially if we get a vaccine maybe in, in February or March, which is probably a little bit wishful thinking, but at least it's possible to kick that can down the road. Uh, I think you're right, Kevin. I mean, the political pressure is what really made this happen for the Big Ten. It became a debate uh, talking point. I mean, you know, yeah. it, you know, I got Big but Ten the, football back. The, I got Pac-12 football back. They could have gotten it in under the wire for the fiscal year, which ends June 30th, right. playing in the spring. But would anyone have been satisfied? And I don't know. Let, so, so, yeah. Let, so Dave, Dave, let's go nits. They open up a goofy law. First of all, did, did you think it was a success for, do you think he, he hit the line before he hit the pylon? You know, the first few replays we were looking at in the press box and in, at Indiana, I thought, well, that's out of bounds. Uh, I was looking at the meat of the ball. I was just trying to figure out whether the meat of the ball hit the white sideline first or whether the meat of the ball hit the pylon first. What I was neglecting to really watch was the point of the ball. And it was oriented in kind of kind of catty-cornered so that you weren't really paying attention to the point of the ball, but the point of the ball was just a little bit out ahead of, you know, the striped part that could have hit the pylon. I don't, I don't think there's stripes on that ball, but anyway, the, the, the kind of three-quarters of the way up part of the ball that would have hit the pylon, I think the point of the ball was a little bit forward and could have broken the plane. Uh, bottom line, it, it, the, at the end, A, since they called it a touchdown, can you overturn that? I don't know. At Mike, first, Mike Pereira said they should. Mike Pereira. At first, I was thinking they should overturn it. Right. And when I looked at it a few times later, I was like, I don't know. I don't know if you can overturn that. And, and B, Penn State, th- there should not have been any overtime. There shouldn't have been any of that because they screwed up the clock management in, in regulation. They, they, Indiana, at best, should have gotten the ball back with 10 or, f- 10 or 15 seconds left and no timeouts on their own 20. You know, if they just taken a knee four times, that's what would have happened. Uh, so would you take that? I think you would. And uh, had Tom Allen uh, given up a touchdown and opened the floodgates there, you got one or two guys, Sean Clifford, the quarterback, mm-hmm. um, the third string running back, uh, you tell them, do not score. Do not score. But as you could see, the Atlanta Falcons did the same um, thing. The same thing happened. Todd Gurley, right. Yeah, he, he's telling Todd Gurley. Uh, I I play with, I play basketball with Matt Ryan's brother, by the way, out here. <laughs> and, and of course, we haven't been playing the last few months, but I can't wait to uh, to to see Mike and ask him about that because uh, it's it, you know people are especially running backs they're taught to score. You get in there, right? It's it's almost rote. It's 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 almost like a a, a dog being told about it's supper time and they salivate. I mean, it's it's it. It, it it's almost impossible for them to hold back. And yet 
I think if they had just told Sean Clifford, who's an older guy who's played a lot longer, do the A-gap keeper, uh, and if you get to the three-yard line, fall down, he would have. And that well, Dave, do you think that Penn State, when they did score, that put them up eight, right? Yeah. No, put them up you, seven. The, well, the, put them up the, seven, the and then, yeah. Would you have taken a chance going for two there? I two. thought about it at the time, and in live, live time, Dave, I would have, you know, yeah. I'm still, I'm still thinking about God. Why did they, why did they score? <laughs> I wondered if and it froze there for a second. Okay. To try to think in real time, like the coach. I always try to to teach myself to think in real time, like coaches would have to, and give myself a deadline to make a decision. And I thought, okay, I'll kick the extra point. I think it's a it's a wash there. Um, you want to force them if they get the touchdown to make a two pointer. Right. Uh, that's another considerable chance uh, that they have to take that might not pan out rather than simply going to overtime with an extra point, I would have, I, I would not have gone for two. But I think okay. you could rationalize it either way. Kill the game with a two-pointer and, and put them up nine. Dave Jones from the Patriot okay. News joins us. All right, uh, this is me being the negative Nancy that you know I am about this program. You sometimes. are, man. You on Twitter. You, you hate everybody and everything. Okay. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> um, I thought it was just me that thought that. No, 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 no. No, you actually, Mike, in your in your latter years, you've become kind of warm and fuzzy. You used to be like that. <laughs> 10 and 20 it was, it was just, I, I always me, thought was, you were going to bite my head off. It was mostly. Hey, what do you want me to tell you? It is what it is, you know? <laughs> um, all right. But this was a problem. Clock management was a little bit of a problem for Franklin years ago. Would you a agree? A little bit. Okay. He's huge... had these things over and over. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah. Then, and then it went away. He's the Les Miles of the Big Ten. Yes. And, and then you it... know what? Les Miles won, won a national title. I understand. <laughs> then it went away. Is it coming back or is this a one-off? Went away. When did it go away? Well, well, it went away when Moorhead was there. No, you're, you're <laughs> it's never going away. I mean, uh, two years ago at Indiana. Wow, that's they, true. I they, forgot about that. They they could have lost the 33-28 game with a, a, a bout of that. Does he know um, this, that this is a weakness? It's not just time management. Sometimes it's game management. Right. This, it, and, and in the Cotton Bowl, there was a, a debacle. Yeah. You know where the, they 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 simply didn't run out the clock, and Memphis got a field goal they shouldn't have gotten at the end of the end of the half. So it's 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 risen up over and over. Does does he notice as a weakness of his? Yeah, he knows. He's a smart guy. I know. There's different kinds of intelligence, and and he has all sorts of different kinds of intelligence. I think even most of the Penn State fans recognize that. They can see that he has an intellectuality that can bring people together. He's very good at, at uh, I think, delegating responsibilities and making moves when the, they're not fulfilled. I think he's very good at teaching guys what they need to do to become part of the whole. He's a very, I think he's a good CEO, but when it gets granular, sometimes he has some problems. And, and, and there are, if you, if you see his personality too, he's kind of right brain. You know, mm-hmm. in some ways he's kind of a germaphobe. So that's kind of left brain, but in a lot of ways, he's got all this personality. That's, that's actually a good trait right now to be a germaphobe. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. yeah. But, but in a lot of ways, he's kind of right brain and out there and full of personality, but I don't think he's a math major. You know, there's, there's different kinds. I used to have, I had a great professor who was brilliant. I think the true test 
of real intelligence, uh, of genius, is being both right brain and left brain. I was one of, in one of the, the very first computer animation programs in the country at Ohio State. And the guy who ran it started it was a guy named Dr. Chuck Surrey. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was a major in both mathematics and fine arts. You don't run across you don't people run like that, that no. very often. And we are all we all have weaknesses that way. And, you know, that's that James just has a problem in, in that way. Yeah. Mike. Yeah, that's not, well, <laughs> good, good to know, but not good to know. Uh, so, OK, so, Dave, they're own one. Now they're going to play Ohio State, you know, which is right now is the, probably the third best team in the country. If you're kind of looking at it that way, maybe they're the best team in the country. I have no idea. I think they're but, second now that the Alabama kid went down. Yeah. Which kid on Alabama went the down? The wide receiver. Right. Okay. Yeah, but he's best got wide a, receiver in the country. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe. But he's got the second best wide receiver. So, what do the Knits are 12 point underdogs? Uh, nobody probably expects them to pull off an upset, but things happen. Can they pull off an upset? I picked Indiana against Penn State. They were uh, plus seven, correct? Yeah. Plus yeah. Six and a half. Six and, six and a half, yeah. Yeah. And I'm picking Penn State here at mm-hmm. plus 11 and a half, plus 12, which right. I'm much less confident about since Noah Kane went, went down. Right. Um, they're, the guy I always thought was their best running back, but he's had injury problems, and here he does again, ankle, foot problem, I think. And he's out for the year. Uh, Journey Brown, their top running back, out for the year, it looks like. So they're down to the third, fourth, and fifth stringers. They've recruited very well there. The guys behind them have possibilities, but they're new. They could fumble. Uh, That's a given. This is what they need to do. And I think they have the goods to pull this off for two reasons. First, Ohio State's really untested. They played kind of a sloppy game against Nebraska. First half especially. Everyone's telling them how wonderful they are right now. And they're kind of untested. Some of their their frontline guys were five-star recruits. They really haven't done it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a wonderful offensive line, and they have the most amazing passing attack in college football, bar none. I think their their passing attack with Justin Fields and 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 both of those. I mean, they've they've got they've got not only two wideouts, but they've got guys behind them, including Ju- Julian Fleming. I don't know if Chris Olave though is going to play because he could be going through concussion protocol. They're not saying he was the victim of a dirty hit in the second half of that Nebraska game. He went out. We don't know if he's going to play. He's their best wideout. Um, They have uh, Garrett Wilson, who's also terrific, who also could be a first-round NFL draft choice. And then behind that, they've got a bunch of really good kids who haven't played much, including Fleming. So there's also the cold weather factor. It's one thing to ease into cold weather, but when it hits like a snap like this and it's going to be cold and blustery and nasty up there on Saturday, it's different, uh, especially for the receivers when it, when it hits so um, emphatically and it takes a little time to get rid of that. Maybe they don't throw and catch the. I think they'll throw the ball well, but I don't know if they'll catch it as well as they usually do. Mm-hmm. And that's a b- very big asset. They don't have like a great running back like J.K. Dobbins like they've had. No. Um, or Zeke Elliott. They, they don't have that right now. They're, they're running backs. Uh, Master Teague kind of is a, like a, a straight-ahead runner who doesn't have any wiggle. Um, their defense is rather ordinary compared to the ones they've had. They don't have a, a Joey or Nick Bosa 
or Chase Young back there. They don't. They don't have anybody on the defensive line who scares you. And they have one really good corner and then a bunch of DBs that haven't played much who are, are big recruits and uh, kind of a bunch of ordinary linebackers for them. Mm-hmm. They're, they're all good players, but I don't think their defense is as good as what we've been accustomed to. So there's windows of opportunity. That said, Penn State played a sloppy game for, for almost the entire game. Uh, Sean Clifford played uh, badly for three quarters, and then he's such a tough kid mentally that he got himself going with, with the running game. He's, he began running the ball. I think they have to do two things. Penn State's offensive line is good. If they're going to win this game, they got to be really good. Right. they got to get push, and they got to keep the ball away from Justin Fields in that offense. And, and two, I think they have to hang in there on, on offense because they have not been able to get any, any real separation from their wideouts. It's been a consistent problem since Chris Godwin and Allen Robinson uh, have been gone. They, have, they don't have anyone down the field, especially with size, who can go up and get balls. So they're going to have to incrementally move the ball downfield. So they have to avoid penalties and turnovers, which is all they did in Bloomington. They did a hundred yards and penalties and turnovers and they can't have any of that. So I'm, I'm, I need a lot of dots to connect for my pick to go. Dave Jones is joining us from the Patriot news. Dave, when you look at their schedule beyond Ohio state, it opens up until you get to Michigan, obviously. And you go to the big house. I mean, Maryland, Nebraska, Iowa, Two out of the three games there, I think you would consider, well, all three of them, you get Iowa at home, are, are winnable. And then you get Rutgers and Michigan State after Michigan. I mean, so how do you judge this year for them? I mean, assuming that they lose on Saturday night, what's this, what would Franklin be happy with at this point going forward? I don't know how you can judge where we're going to go with the season. Right. I mean, this Big Ten schedule has no bye weeks. Yeah. So... Like Wisconsin, uh, Nebraska had a cancer. Wisconsin, Nebraska is not going to play, and right. they're not they're not going to play. And so, you have to play at least six games in either either in, in order to be eligible. You could have all sorts of weird records, like six and one, you know, <laughs> four and two, and and we don't know how to judge anybody. If you're talking about how to judge them nationally, is that what you mean? Well, judging the program success moving forward i mean every year they're projected now to be top 15 top 10 yeah i mean uh, you know is this if they have a down year is it there haven't been any not there haven't been any non-conference games and there aren't gonna be right i don't know how you can judge anybody uh it's it's an the whole thing's an abortion and it's not college football either you know let me tell you being in bloomington with no bands no cheerleaders no None of the stuff that makes college football what it is, it was really weird. And, and it becomes, it slaps you in the face why we're doing this, which is revenue. Mm. And that's okay in the NFL because you, you know going in that it's all about revenue. It's all a zero-sum game, and it's, it's all results-oriented. And the participants and are getting revenue, too. It's a cutthroat business. Right. You know that going in. College football, we've talked ourselves into believing that it's not this big business because everyone's got rooting interests from their school. This is visceral stuff. You know, when, you, when you're rooting for your school, it's like a club that only you're in and you feel real sentiment toward that. All that's wiped away now, and you're, you're doing this essentially as a business. So, you know, I, I got to say, I think everyone's going to try to forget about this season in a few years when all this stuff is over and look back at it as like really weird and 
maybe I wish we hadn't done that. You know, in a weird way, when you think about it, college at that level, sports at that level, almost more of a business than the, than the pros. Yeah. Because because they really, they really depend on that money. You know, I mean, if a a pro owner loses, you know, put out an amount of dollars, whatever. He can write it off. He can, but he can figure out a way. But if a university loses a lot of money, how do they figure out a way to to replace that? I'll tell you what, a lot of these giant power five programs have fed their athletic departments and gorged at such a rate that they have levels, layers of administration. Mm -hmm. They're going to have to take a hit, man. I mean, you got, you got 30 suits in athletic departments where you used to have 10, 15 years ago. I'm not kidding. Compliance director, compliance officers. Oh yeah. There were always compliance officers, but like multiple layers in state, but yeah, there's, there's assistant compliance officers officers and, you know, liaisons to the c- compliance office. That, that, Social media that. representatives. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's there's dozens and dozens of these people. I went back and looked at it. I think there were 60 administrators in in the athletic department last year where there were, I don't want to misspeak, but I think there were 35 or something uh, 10 years ago at Penn State. I, I, I don't know if I got that right. Maybe 40 but, but it was considerable, you know. Mike and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago about how you're starting to see bowl games drop by the wayside. Holiday bowl gone, you know, and, and which I don't think is necessarily a bad trend going forward, no. by the way. Um, what do you, do you see more bowl games here dropping out as we get closer to the end yeah. of the season? I mean, they are not going to – what – I don't know. I mean, some of these bowl games, basically they are – excuses for gamblers to tune in and ESPN to fill programming. Yes. Yes. And if the revenue isn't of a level that it is for the big time network contracts, um, and and a lot of them, the payouts are, are minuscule and and 750,000, a million dollars is a drop in the bucket from some of these programs. They're not going to pay to, to, Right. fly their kids out there. It, it's a wash for them in a lot of ways anyway. Uh, so they're not going to take the risks for that. A lot of a lot of teams I don't think will want to even go to polls. And you're not even going to pick the playoff teams till December 22nd. So that almost eliminates a lot of those early bowl games anyway. Yeah, I think a lot of the lower level bowls are going to be toast before then. Some of them already are. And... Which isn't yeah, a, again I mean, it, is not a bad trend for college football. No, it's it's just going to kind of uncover a lot of the duplicity around this stuff anyway. That's 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 I'm not going to cry any crocodile cheers for the Bulls. Uh, do you think the four teams that will end up being in the playoff? Okay, Clemson and Alabama, you would think are are locks. You would think Ohio State's probably as close to a lock. So who fits in the fourth at this point? <sighs> I, I, it, it's week or does it two, not matter? Oh, you know, but I mean, I it's week two, but it's also nobody, <laughs> nobody from the ACC. If anyone goes unbeaten in the pac 12, that would be it. Oregon, maybe yeah. Oregon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because it's easy and the big 12 has already taken a hit so they could be out of it. I would say the, the best guess is Oregon. Somebody like that from the pac 12, if they go unbeaten. Yeah. No, no second from the SEC. Perhaps. Oh yeah, yeah, but but then Georgia. Ohio State, Ohio State, and 
in and two from the SEC and and Oregon something like that. Okay. Uh, you, before we get into the one college basketball thing at Penn State, let's get the college basketball in general. We saw Villanova start to release their schedule today. I mean, look, football's complicated. How the hell is basketball going to pull this off? At least in the early going here. You know, it looks like a lot of a lot of the non-conferences are going to be gone except for these little bubbles that have popped up in some of these regions. You know, obviously the Big Five is going to have four teams I, that play. I think, I think in general they kick the can down the road as much as they can, hoping for a vaccine and just maintain the ostensible that they're going to play that NCAA tournament because that's the golden egg for everybody. That keeps everyone afloat, including the NCAA. You know, the NCAA is going to do everything in their power to keep that going because that's their money. They get nothing from football. A lot of a lot of fans don't understand that the NCAA makes nothing and has no wherewithal to oversee FBS college football, Power Five college football, Power Five. Um, they call them the Autonomy Five on right. Disney right. networks because they declared their autonomy and were allowed to go by the NCA back in 2015. They don't call them the power five, of course, yeah. you know, because it's not politically. Uh, It'd be tough. Dave, Dave, could they push the tournament back? Like yes. The- yes. They can push it back into June if they have to. Oh, really? I mean, That's far. Okay. Yeah. And the NBA, because it's all about just getting it under the wire and getting it within the school's fiscal years, which all okay, in June 30th. Could they? Uh, could the they, NBA plays in June. Right. Could they scale it back? Yeah, they can scale back the seasons, though. That's the main Not thing. Not the tournament, though. They can I don't go- think so. Uh, I, they, if anything, they might make it bigger just to make it more all-inclusive, as, le- as long as we get a vaccine. I mean, right. I think we need to get a vaccine. To your first question, it's going to be awfully hard to do this. Without one, um, I, I, I don't – they're not playing in a bubble like the NBA did. No. And while we're at it, let's give the NBA credit for pulling that off. And the NHL, I mean, yep. Yeah, I mean, they, they did a fabulous job because they had the wherewithal. You're talking about – think about when the NCAA tournament gets ready to play. You're talking about little schools like Wofford and, and Stephen F. Austin – they, they simply don't have the money oh. to do the protocol necessary to keep everyone completely positively safe. They just don't. And it's not like the college football playoff where, where everyone involved is a power five school. You, you've got 30 different conferences, 32 different conferences where they're, they're all different size. You get right. down in the swack and they're in the MEAC, they're nothing. The, the, you know, the Atlantic Sun, those schools are nothing like the Big Ten or the Pac-12 or the, the, the Big 12. They're, they're, they don't have anything in common, and in, in, in mainly with protocol. So it's awfully hard to keep everyone safe. And that's why for D2 and D3, it's not going to happen. Same thing. Yeah, yeah. not going to happen. Mike? Uh, I think you should get on to the subject you want to talk about. Yeah, I mean, Penn State, Pat Chambers gone. You you broke the story. What can you talk about with that? What can you tell us about what has happened and where well, they go? I don't know if you read what I wrote. Did you read? I, the- I read it, yeah. Okay, all right. Uh, I, I, they say they're going to stick with Jim Ferry uh, for this season. Um, were Penn State a more forward-thinking 
basketball organization. You know, you've got a very interesting situation here where in October you've essentially fired your coach, but nobody else has. And there's a guy out there who used to be a Big Ten coach named John Beeline, who no one else can hire, mm-hmm. who really doesn't care about money compared to simply getting back in. I mean, he just, what was his contract with the Cavs? Right, it was five it was or loaded. six million. Money's not yeah. factored in him. He just, he just doesn't want to be, yeah, and he's double dipping. I mean, mm-hmm. I think he can even take a job and keep two, two years of his salary. Yeah. So he might just want to come back in. And I've heard from people in Michigan that he might be able to be talked into it, especially because he's a Buffalo guy. Right. He, he loves to be close to Buffalo, unlike anyone else we know, probably <laughs> wants to be close to Buffalo. Mike? <laughs> and, you know, it's kind of driving distance. Uh, Penn State used to be in the Atlantic 10 where you go up to Olean. We're almost there, right, Mike? You're almost, you're almost uh, to Buffalo when you go to Olean, right? Nothing. Huh? No, it's, it's two hours. Trust yeah. me, I've made that drive enough times. You know, oh, we all did, yeah. <laughs> two hours of hell through snow, but yeah, whatever. Wasn't, wasn't that delightful going to St. Bonaventure? Yeah. Yeah, it was the worst trip. <laughs> the only trip that came close was Virginia Tech. Oh yeah, that's going down bad. 77. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. My nephew played, played quarterback there. I went down there a couple times. Um, the 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 thing about Beeline that would be so attractive is, did you ever hear the story, Mike, about that Mike D told us? There was just a cluster of people at the Big East tournament, and he told us. I don't know. I had it was after. Beeline took the West Virginia job. It was a fascinating story that they had to talk him. They had to persuade him. Uh, Trangisi and Jim Beheim, who's an old friend of his, to to open up for the opportunity. The West Virginia was desperate because Dan Dockich had reneged on the job. He had mm-hmm. taken the job from Bowling Green and then got there and something happened. I don't know what. And he reneged. And Ed passed along the uh, – the athletic director was desperate because he'd already sold his fan base and alumni on Dockage. He needed a guy. And Trangisi said, and, and, Be- and Beheim said, we got a guy. We got a guy. We got to talk to him. They had to talk him into it because he, he liked where he was at Richmond. Yeah. At Richmond. Well, I got to tell you something. If, and look, you got to give Pat credit for at least making Penn State basketball Relevant, well, I guess for, is the best word. For helping them use. find that Philadelphia is on the map and it's actually pretty good well, in college yeah, basketball, yeah, but that might have been part of the problem. But, yeah. yeah, if you can get John Beeline to coach your program. Oh, you cut it. I mean, John Beeline as a college coach, I don't you know, I don't know what happened with the Cleves, but there aren't many better than him. No, I mean, but they're not going to do it, Mike. I mean, I'm, oh, I'm, okay. I'm, okay. I'm merely pointing up the fact that I they could. They could. But they don't care about basketball. That's, yeah, you're right. That's the you're rest right. of the story. Um, I think they're going to sink right back down into irrelevance. Although there was a there were a lot of people rooting for Jimmy Ferry, who was a big success at the low major level at Long Island. Mm-hmm. You know, he 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 got them to the NCAA tournament back to back in his ninth and tenth years there after grinding up the ladder there, um, in in the Northeast Conference, and then. 
he tried Duquesne, and I think you were probably covered at him in a couple of Duquesne games, right? And it was that's a tougher nut. That's a really brutal job as a mid-major. That's not an easy job. No, you're right. No, no in, a, in, a, in a job with what you would call high-major programs in the Atlantic 10, it's kind of like a borderline high-major league. And, yeah. and that was too much. But he's a very good X and O coach. Um, they lost a recruit today from Camden. And uh, I don't know about the future, but this year there are going to be a lot of people really rooting for Jim Ferry. And I'll, I'll be one of them, frankly. Because you can't get kids out of Philly. You're going to have a problem staying relevant, like you just said. I, mean, I don't know necessarily. Like I used to try to – I remember telling Tim Curley, the ex-athletic director, in 07. You know, I, I didn't know at that point. I didn't realize what I was – what I was, who I was talking to and what I was talking to. I always thought they actually wanted to be a good basketball school, but just didn't know how. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling him in 07 and like Ed DeCellis's fifth year, you know, there's a guy and, and Eddie's, Eddie's a nice guy, but not really going anywhere and wouldn't for, he finally made the NCAA tournament in his eighth season in 2011 and then promptly quit yeah. because they really wouldn't commit to him. So this is about halfway through it's 07. I think it's his fifth season. And I said to Curly on the phone, I said, you know, there's a guy out in Pullman, Washington, who is doing it with three-star recruits, and he's coaching them up, and, he, and he's actually recruiting pretty well on Mars. And this is what you've got here. You're on Mars, basketball-wise. His name's Tony Bennett. You should give him a, you should give him a call. You should consider him. And, you know, Curly went, ah, yeah, that's a good idea. Never, you know, I'm sure he never pursued it. But Tony Bennett by and large, has made a whole career not out of recruiting uh, certain areas, certain regions, certain star levels. He recruits guys that he can coach. And they're, they're, I, don't, I don't think a lot of those Virginia guys are, are superior players. There are a couple of them. I mean, Hunter was. Um, guy's a really good player. But he did that with not, not – like Memphis level recruits. And I, I think that's what you're looking for in B line. He's not going to recruit five stars in there and he wouldn't necessarily recruit Philadelphia. He would recruit basketball players yeah. who know how to play the and, game and, and broaden the map, not just the uh, Pennsylvania yeah. and not depend on a certain region. Well, you mentioned I mean, Jay, Jay is at a different level, right? But he doesn't recruit just Pennsylvania or just Philadelphia. He can recruit everybody. I mean, if you're John B line, you can. You can. How much? Well, and I'll ask you this because you've covered things up there for so long, and I'm hoping I'll just get a paternal impression out of this from you. Um, the the belief was that Joe in his we had enough of that. What? <laughs> um, the belief was Joe had no interest in a in a in a representative basketball team up there, and that's why it it took Who's so. Long. I, I think the popular belief down here. Among a lot of people in the basketball circles that I've what's the to. definition of representing, like potentially to ups, to earn a little spotlight away from Joe. Well, that I don't know. Make what you the NCAA mean, make the NCAA tournament on a regular basis where somebody you, you, you're saying that Joe didn't want that. That Joe Joe liked having the attention solely to himself at State College. Oh, I think I think that's hogwash. He, okay. He, he had so much. He had way more attention. Well, when he was AD, maybe. Well, that's you're talking about the early '80s. Yes. Well, that's 
that's ancient history. Okay. Kevin, we're trying, I'm anyway. just, I'm, I'm asking you. That's all. Well, no, no, I, I don't believe that. I, I think he had way made his name and his popularity and notoriety in some ways way beyond anything that Penn State basketball could accomplish. I think he actually enjoyed it when they did well. Uh, he enjoyed basketball growing up in Brooklyn. I don't think that was a factor at all. Uh, the the giant shadow that Penn State football uh, cast over the basketball program is something else. It's it's in a, in a lot of ways, and I was reminded of it again when I went to Bloomington. They're they're doppelgangers, <laughs> Indiana football and Penn State basketball. They're yeah. they're the same thing. You know, they they've got this giant shadow over them that the populace will never allow to change. Uh, Penn, Central Pennsylvania people love contactor sports. I think they like hockey more than they do basketball. Uh, they will never appreciate basketball like some people even down here. And, and, and the same is true in Indiana. Basketball will always be the thing there, and there's only so much somebody like Tom Allen can do. And you got to be really happy for him. The way you're happy for Penn State basketball guys, the way you were happy for Bruce Parkhill and Jerry Dunn and Ed DeCellis when they reached a certain pinnacle. You were right. like, because of the constant underdog. Uh, Tom Allen's doing the same thing right now. But can he, can he sustain it? I don't know. Mike? I'm good. You're good? I've got my, I've got my Penn State fill. Okay. Well, I, I, all right. Can you tell one Paterno story, please? Why? Because got, I love because him. He, because he asked you. I'm a, yeah, I'm asking. <laughs> I, like, I, I only saw Joe in the later years when, let's be honest, Joe was a, you know, kind of an empty an empty sport coat or uh, an empty uh, zip-up at that point. I mean, well, you know. I was only there the last 20 years. Well, and he yeah. Was there, he was there 46 as head coach. So I went up, people, I went up, I think, in 2007 for the first time. So. Well, if, if, you, if you want to segue into basketball, I'll tell you this story. Um, you know he had that Friday night little coffee, that, that, that cocktail clink with yeah. reporters, yeah. which was very interesting. And he kind of liked – I didn't go to it like all the time. Like uh, some guys went to it every Friday night on the road. It was only on the road. And it, it, when I first came into the beat, I thought it was damned interesting that here's, here's this, this icon – uh, doing this with reporters in 1991. That's, that's the, the thing. That's actually where he said it was understood that it was off the record. Right. But he used it as a way to uh, kind of see thoughts in reporters' heads and, and, and get them to write stuff without actually being quoted on it. Um, that was the, the venue, I believe it was 1980 or around then, when John Clayton... ESPN's John Clayton, who was then in Pittsburgh, uh, either at the Post Gazette or the Press, I don't remember which, because right. I wasn't there yet. I wasn't. I wasn't on the beat for another 11, 11 years. But Joe was asked by one of the guys, uh, you know, are you going to get into politics, Joe? And he goes, I can't do that. I, I, what am I going to do? Leave college football to the switches and shells of the world? <laughs> Everyone goes, ah. and and John Clayton printed it, and. It became a, a giant thing nationally. It took a few days, but then Switzer heard about it and Cheryl heard about it. He really didn't like Jackie Cheryl. Right. And it, the feeling was mutual. 
So that was one thing, but he actually felt bad, believe it or not, about um, having insulted Barry Switzer because kind of like it's it's impossible. You ever met Barry Switzer? It's impossible to dislike Barry Switzer. You could you could say he ran a a mob operation down there, but I mean, it's impossible to dislike him. Not so not, not when, a not a great not a great coach at the NFL level, but okay. No, but who cares? You yeah, know, he made his he made his made his bones in at Oklahoma. And he wrote a book called Bootlegger's Boy and actually got Joe to do the foreword as an apology. <laughs> to, to, and, and you're looking at you're looking at this book that which is all of it, you know, it was it was it was all about seamy under underlying stuff in college football. A lot of it. You remember the quarterback had a gun or something? I yeah. can't remember what happened. And there were there were there were recruiting violations, I'm sure, committed there. And but Barry was hard to dislike. So when Joe got to his, I think it was the 300th win, I thought we, we were doing all these special stories. I thought it would be fun to go back to Cheryl and Switzer and ask him about that incident. Cheryl, you know, he gave it boilerplate stuff. Wasn't very interesting. Answered my call, but you know, I have no, nothing against Joe and that kind of stuff. Switzer, I was given two different numbers to find, to try to reach him. This is before cell phones and any of that. I think sure. this is like 20 years ago. It might've been the Bear Bryant when he passed Bear Bryant, which was 20 years ago. And the two numbers were given to me by my ex-boss, Nick Horvath, who was an Oklahoma grad. And he had connections there. One of the numbers was at a new house he was building in Norman. The other one was at a bar that he frequented in Oklahoma City. Well, <laughs> And I actually left it with the bartender. Which one? Which one do you think hit? The, it was, the bartender. It was, it was the bar. It was the bartender. He calls. I, I didn't really expect anything. He calls at eight in the morning, and I'm like bleary. We have nighttime hours. Anne and right. I do. We've both been in newspapers. She was at the Enquirer at the time, and we're both bleary. And I answer the phone, and I hear this, Dave. Barry Switzer. <laughs> I can't believe it. He was hilarious all the way through the call. And then he, he, at the end he goes, yeah, you ever see that Sue Paterno? She, you tell her, I said, hi, she's a good old girl. <laughs> and I, I'm sure he did it just because he knew I would print it, which I did. Right. And, and it kind of, kind of needle Joe. I, I know almost like he was flirting with Sue. Yeah. <laughs> Dave Jones of the Patriot News will be in Happy Valley. No fans, right, on Saturday night? Uh, parents and family, direct family, are allowed in Big Ten venues. That is going to be an empty place. Yeah, that's what that's what they had in, at Indiana. Yeah, They had direct family. So yeah. there were, I don't know, probably three or 400 people there. <sighs> so yeah. Saturday night, 730 ABC, Ohio State, Penn State. Biggest game of Penn State here. Dave, appreciate it, man. Be well. Stay, stay safe. Stay safe out there, pal. I'm not going up for this one. It's Flounders, so we have to take turns. Uh, well, you guys you are stay safe. Have. You stay safe wherever you are in Downingtown yeah. or whatever. I'm going to be safe right there in my chair. That's, <laughs> That's right. And safe. warm and have to a bathroom easily and food. Oh, yeah. And no driving. No, and no driving. driving. Do, you realize, do you realize how much of my career – even in Ohio, when I was in Columbus, I'm driving to Cincinnati and Cleveland and Miami of Ohio and Toledo and Western Michigan. My whole career has been on the road. And you guys 
all you have to do is. is oh, no, wait. Whoa, 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 whoa. I did enough Penn State. <laughs> Where, what are you, uh, Howard Eskin? Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa, 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 whoa. Genius, minute, genius, genius, genius. Uh, I will say, coming down on a Saturday night game, coming down the mountain, oh, baby, oh. that's bad. <laughs> well, it's, uh, that's nothing for me anymore. The first time I did it, but it's just 164 miles to Downingtown. Man. Yeah. It's each way. Yeah, I used to go to Harrisburg and crash there for the night. No, 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 no. I got to get home. And usually I go with Mike Gross and I'm writing, so I'm trying to write in in the car while this is going on. Yeah, that that, that sounds safe. (laughs) Thanks, Dave. I'm not driving and writing. He's he's driving. I'm writing. Thanks, Dave. Uh, And we'll be be back here on Morgan the Beat right after this. Our thanks to Dave Jones of the Harrisburg Patriot News for joining us uh, once again. Uh, P, uh, penlive.com. Uh, Dave will be there this weekend. Big, it's it's not as big a weekend as it used to be because obviously no fans are going to really be there. Uh, game day is going to be there, but it's going to be inside Beaver Stadium. But uh, the Knits looking at Owen too, if most likely, and you know, obviously there's a there's a pain in that in a in a season like this, isn't there, Mike? It's it's a different season. They, yeah, look, they lost a game last week that maybe they didn't lose. Who knows? It's the first week of the season. We saw goofy stuff. You're going to keep seeing goofy stuff. Mm-hmm. And like I said, you might see teams one week that look like crap yeah. and the next week don't look like crap yeah. just because. Um, yeah, 0-2 is 0-2. But, like, you know, again, it, it's um, everything's different. You know, Ohio yeah. State's the best team in the conference. Yeah, Can they lose a game? Sure. Well, and there's the a pretty cl- and there's a pretty clear. I'm gonna take the microphone actually because this this uh, stand is not working right. So, um, in my mind, there's a clear top three, and then everybody else. Now, you may have one team that could play their way into it next week in Notre Dame, but the the, the top three of Ohio State, Alabama, and and, and Clemson are, are far and away above everybody at this point. Would you yeah, agree? But I mean. Could could Michigan maybe upset? I mean, look, if Penn State won this week, well, you know, I use well, everything. All, everything goes, yeah. But it wouldn't be the biggest upset in the history of the world. They're twelve point underdog at home. I get it. That you know, coming off that loss last week, um, but you know, could Wisconsin maybe beat Ohio State if they play them at some point? If Wisconsin's ever ever healthy enough to play, yeah, I, you know, um. But yeah, I mean Clemson and Alabama, but we knew that before the we knew that before the season started, and we figured Ohio State, if the Big Ten played, was probably going to be that third team. Mm-hmm. And then you got to figure out if it's going to be Georgia. You know, we thought Oklahoma, but it, that, they got two losses. Um, I don't know. One of the teams out of the Pac-12. I, I, I don't know. Maybe Oregon. Um, I don't know. Uh, well, you know? well, and. That leads us to I'm going to make the transition because obviously in this area, this weekend is huge. It's always Cowboy Week. It's always big. There's a sense at least Dallas is given the impression that they're almost ready to throw in the towel. I mean, they're they're trading people. They're cutting people. They're It's almost like a massive house cleaning down there. Um, you know, Jerry Jones is getting snippy with radio reporters. And yet, I still don't feel comfortable about this game for the Eagles because I don't think there's any way you can feel comfortable about the Eagles after what has gone on here so far. That's two bad teams. I mean, and and you're going to hear that a lot this year because the Giants and the Washington are 
just as bad. I mean, I heard somebody say today that the Cowboys could be the worst team in the league. Now, I, I think the Jets are the worst team in the league, but yeah. the Cowboys' two wins have come on last play field goals. Um, yeah, one where, know, one where a team literally fell apart on an onside kick. Yeah, but they, I mean, they're that close to being 0 oh, and whatever. 0 oh and 7. Uh, oh and and they lost Dak. I mean, Dak was what gave them hope. And I thought Andy would, 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 I didn't realize what the leadership that Dak meant to a rudderless team. Mm-hmm. Um, now I don't know if Dalton's going to play this week. I don't know what the backup guy is going to do. He did Dallas not practice on Wednesday, we should point out. So yeah, Dallas is dangerous only in that they have skilled players that can make big plays against an Eagles secondary that could be susceptible to big plays. Um, but Zeke is, it looks almost useless. Mm-hmm. Uh, and their defense looks almost useless. So given that, how can the Eagles not win this game? I mean, and, if the Eagles lose, it's 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 like, really? You lost to that team at home? Yeah, but there is a history of this two years ago when Dallas came here. They looked like they were getting ready to fire Jason Garrett, and they came here on a Sunday night game and won and started their run towards a division title. But they had a real team. You know, this isn't a real team. It's an historically bad defense. Okay, now the Eagles haven't held anybody under 20 either. So, you know, I'm not telling you they're the monsters of the midway. Their two wins are against a San Francisco team. Think about this. Dallas has won two games on a, la- on a last play field goal. The Eagles beat a 49er team that was down Without to their Garoppolo. third quarterback yep. and was hurt worse than they were. Mm-hmm. Okay? And last week on a, la- on a, 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 a you know, a, a pass from Carson to, to the running back, well, if Eric Ebron catches the pass with four minutes well, to go down right. the sidelines, this yeah. So, so both these teams could basically be winless, although the Eagles would have a tie. Um, it's bad. But the Eagles, I still think, are better. I I, I just don't – and they're seven-and-a-half-point favorites, so obviously somebody thinks so, but they were five-and-a-half-point favoring against the Giants. So but, both these teams can lose to anybody. Yeah. We've seen that. What scares me, though, Mike, is that, look, and I get it. They were different when they had Dak, and they built a lot of these yards up with Dak. They're still third in the league in in total yards per game at 418. Okay? Not the last two weeks. No. You know where the Eagles rank? Yeah. Like 25th, 24th at 345. But now they're going to play the Cowboy defense, okay? Mm Mm-hmm. And now they, I mean, look, Lane Johnson, I don't think is going to play. Uh, I mean, they got issues of their own. Uh, it, but Dallas is down to their third string quarterback, perhaps. Right. And Dallas is a and minus. A line, and Dallas is minus 13 on turnovers, too. Yeah. And, a, and that, yeah. And a line, the, well, the Eagles don't create turnovers. So no. who knows? Uh, th- their line is, is as messed up as the Eagles, almost. It's just, it's two bad teams playing. But I just, I don't – look, the Eagles have to win this game. I don't – the season ain't over if they lose, but they got to win this game. They have to. I mean, you know, I think they got a better chance of losing next week up in the Meadowlands than they do of losing this week. I, I, you know, I, I would think they have a shot of losing this week. I really do because this this is Dallas's last stand. If Dallas loses – I don't care. I don't care. They stink. I – they're going on the road. They're traveling, you know. But whatever. how many times have we seen this type of game where they, where it's come back and bit the Eagles? That's what I'm concerned about. Yeah, but they already had that game earlier this year when they lost to Washington. Hey, look, 
Would anything surprise me? No. But I, I just don't see the Eagles losing this game, which is why I would tease them down to whatever because they, they shouldn't lose this game. It just, it, it's as simple as that. If they do, they do. You know, then, then they'll have a lot of questions to answer on Monday. Yeah. And, and this is where you find out about the head coach. And obviously, look, the, the amount of control that Doug has compared to what's going on with Mike McCarthy in Dallas is in, in enormous. And the Eagles tend to fight for Doug. You know? Yes, they do. And Especially as the season goes on. Yeah, so, you know. And they're going to get guys back at some point. I don't know how much those guys are going to help. And you've said this all along. I'll give you credit. If you get to 4-4-1, four, four look, the rest of the schedule is brutal after that giant Pretty game. much. Yeah, pretty much. But. If you get the four, four, and one, you see away. You can win three more games in there and get the seven, eight, and one. Well, two of them are division games. Mm-hmm. You know, they got two more division games after that. And maybe you could steal another game in there somewhere. Yeah, well, you're going to have to. Probably, well, maybe, maybe you're not going to have to. Maybe you could be Cleveland. Maybe it, without a, without Beckham. The, yeah. Yeah, but you know what? People start. I heard that on the radio today. Like people now are talking. Like, yeah, we're going to beat Cleveland. Yo. Slow no, down. But that, oh, those games, that's probably the best shot I they have. I understand that, but it, again, it's that Philadelphia mentality. Oh, I, now we're, you know, we're going to Mike, do I don't disagree. Yeah. Um, by the time they get to Dallas, you know, those last two games here, I mean, Dallas maybe at that point doesn't have anything left. Right. I, I, I'm, I don't know. Um, you know who, I mean, maybe the game at Washington is for the, or here with Washington is for the division. I <laughs> I don't know. I, I I'm so. I, they, they, I heard a long time ago, Kevin, when I was that the definition of a a quarterback is can he lead you down the field in the last two minutes to win a game? Yep. Well, their quarterback has done that. I mean, for all we want to say about Carson, and he hasn't played great all this year. The fourth, the second half of the last three games, or the fourth quarter last week, he's been pretty good. Yeah. Um, when he's had to be. Uh, I don't think he wants to be in that position again where no. they, ha- you know, but I, I, I think the team will kind of rally around him. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, you know, I'm not saying he's Aaron Rodgers. I'm not saying anything like that. Oh, no, that. I get it. I know what you're yeah. saying. Um, all right. Since this is a quick week, uh, and I should explain because I'm, I'm going away from my testing tomorrow morning uh, for my college life experience. Yeah, the CLEP test, the. So for my teaching certification and all that. So that's why we're doing this all on um, Wednesday night. No show on Friday. So we're doing the uh, picks. And uh, Mr. Kern, uh, you want to start with the colleges? Oh, I got way too many. Go. Uh, your, your your boy Steve Adazio starts this week. <laughs> I saw. <laughs> given a point and a half at Fresno. I know nothing about either team. Except who the coach of Colorado State is, mm-hmm. I'd play Fresno. That's a spike That's pick. <laughs> That's a spike. No, I, pick. I wouldn't play it, but I'll tell you, with all that crap that happened, now you haven't heard anything much about him no. lately. But um, there's a lot of interesting games. I'll, t- I'll tell you what, and I, I would play some teasers for sure. But I kind of like Rutgers getting 11 a little bit at home against Indiana. You know, they're not bad. I actually watched some of that bad. game. They're getting 11. Um, if you want to put in a teaser and tease it up to, you know, like 18 or something, whatever. Um, uh, let me see. I'll just run them down real, uh, uh, God. 
Well, I got two of them. The, I got two of them. Go ahead. You go, because most of the ones I was looking at were teasers. All right, I'm taking Oklahoma State late a three against Texas at home. Oklahoma okay. State, Oklahoma State, six in the country, only pip, uh, Big 12 team left undefeated. Texas is so inconsistent. I just don't yeah. know what they are. They feel like a yeah. team that could crumble in a hurry. They're three and two, probably should be two and three. I'll take Oklahoma State. I think Oklahoma State's not bad. I mean, I think they're probably the Big Ten champion or Big Twelve champion at this point. Do I think they get in the playoff? Probably not. But I, I you know, um, what was the other one I had here? Go ahead. Do you want to run a teaser there? You're going to take Notre Dame. I know you were. No, I'm not um, actually. Uh, I was actually looking. See, a lot of them I was looking looking at teasers. I don't know what to make of the Tulane Temple game. Although I think I would lean towards Tulane, but I, I don't think I would touch that game. Cincinnati's a seven-point favorite at home against Memphis, and Memphis is good. Not, and I had Cincinnati last week. Cincinnati, uh, Cincinnati blew SMU out last week, right? We, ha- I had that, yep. and that was they were good to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and North Carolina is given seven at Virginia. I might tease those two teams and just ask them to win. All right, here's here's my last college pick. I'm going to stay in the Big Twelve. I'll take West Virginia laid to three and a half at home against Kansas State. Mini upset, a little bit of a. Seeding upset, if you will. Kansas yeah. State's ranked 16th. Look, West Virginia, it's tough going to Morgantown. It's really tough going to Morgantown in yeah. late October, early November. Uh, you know, they can run the football a little bit. They they can, they're you know, they can pass a little bit. You know, Jared Dodge is not awful as a quarterback. Uh, I'll take them at this point. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll take that. And I'll take points at home. Sure. Or uh, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll, I'll give only a field goal at home. Sure. Why not? Okay. Uh, would you play Mississippi State getting 31 and a half against the Bahamas? No. Okay. I'm just saying because Leach can no, Mike Leach can make it a little wacky. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. But there was like three games here that I was looking to tease, like on a three-team teaser, where you'd be like, Florida's given 13 at home to Mizzou. Mm-hmm. So you could get that down to four. I don't know what Florida, Florida's been off for like a couple of weeks. Yeah. I'm guessing at home. Now they may be sloppy. Now Missouri's sloppy. Missouri's coming off their win against LSU, right? They didn't play last week. In front uh, that was a couple. Yeah, you're probably right, but that was a different LSU team. Uh-huh. But I just think Florida's got to win that game by. I don't know if they're going to cover the 13, but they should cover four. I think I would tease Ohio State down to three at Penn State. I don't think Penn State's going to win the game. But they, um, they can make it interesting. They could make it interesting, but I, that's why I'd stay away from the 12. And the other one, and this is the one I, I kind of like the most, Wake Forest is laying 11 at Syracuse. You say you could get that down to two. Wake's not bad. No. You know, my, one of my favorite coaches, Syracuse stinks. Yeah, by the way, one one other ACC game I want your, your opinion on. North Carolina is on the road at Virginia. They're seven-point favorite. I gave you that as a tease. Right. I, I I took North Carolina, teased them down to down. a win. Um, I, think I don't know a whole lot about Virginia. I mean, Virginia, right. North Carolina is really good. They, they are. one bad loss. They had a clunker on the road. That's it. And maybe that's why it, it, it's everybody is so freaking they're, out. They're a good team. Um, And that guy, the coach down there, is doing a good job, yeah. Mac. Um, yeah, I wouldn't play Virginia. No. But, again, you're on the road. I don't know what going on the road means anymore. I really don't. I, I don't know right. how. Team, there's one game, and I didn't. I didn't. LSU's giving three and a half at Auburn, right? And their quarterback probably is not going to play. All right, I'm um, go- all right. I don't know how good LSU is, right? 
quickly because uh, I want to earn this down. I- I'll give you a couple of my NFL picks. Go ahead. Uh, Carolina, I'll take on the Thursday night game at home, getting giving two and a half to the Falcons. I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I love that game. Uh, I like the Bills. I'll lay the three and a half. They're, you're betting against New England from the past. You're not betting against what New England is right now. And New See, England stinks. You're in, you're in big trouble because I had that game down too. Okay. Uh, See, that game looks weird to me. Buffalo should be favored by they should like six or seven. They should. All right. And this is the game they've been waiting for. Yeah. And I don't know who knows. Yeah. But weird. that's why I said it's the go- old Patriot number. It's not people are well, betting what the Patriots are. They're betting yeah, what they were. I, I hate it when everybody says the Patriots are dead. And I I get oh, it. I, I understand the rationale, but go ahead. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna run the game down. Give me a pick. Uh Titans at Bengals. Well, Titans. Wait a minute. I got it. I got a couple I got, I'll throw at you. Go. Well, I'm I, I would I would tease I would play a teaser, Green Bay okay just to win over Minnesota at home. Uh-huh. Green Bay is a seven point favorite at home. Yeah, they're six and one, and the Vikes are one and six, one, one and, five. and five. Right, that to me makes no sense. And I would tease the Eagles down against Dallas to a point, um, because I think they're going to win the game. Um, go ahead, go through your games. All right, here we go with the line. Bills, I get we did Bills. Uh, Titans five and a half at Cincinnati. I don't like the game. Um, Joe Burrow's covered a lot. Yep. Um, and and who knows how how the the uh, Tennessee's come off that tough game last week. Cleveland two and a half at home against the Raiders. I would lean towards the Browns. Yeah, I would too. Um, uh, no, no, I'm sorry. I, I would lean towards the the Raiders. Yeah, I, I if I was going to lean, I'd probably lean towards the Browns. But Beckham's not playing, so. Yeah. Uh, Colts minus three at the Lions. The one of the teams in the league I still can't figure out is the Colts. Yeah, I, I, I hear don't, you. Man, and I'm Phil Rivers is not Phil Rivers. I would pass on that game. All right, uh, gave you you, you discuss Vikings Packers Jets are nineteen and a half uh, point underdogs at the Chiefs. Here's what I would do: I would tease the Chiefs down to ten and a half, put them in with the Tampa Bay's, right? Giving one and a half. On Monday night, because they ain't going to lose that game. Okay, so I don't care where they play it. And maybe you got to find a third team to put in with maybe the Eagles or Green Bay, something. But the the Chiefs, I I can't lay 19 and a half in good conscience, but how the hell could I play the Jets? How about this one? The Rams are three and a half point road favorites at Miami. Yeah, and two. See, the only thing it's the two factor. I, I would stay away from it. I mean, I think I would lean towards the Rams. Only because of Tua, right? Um, but Miami gives you that good effort, right? You know, maybe it's one of those ESPN stories where Tua throws three touchdowns, and you know they're leading Sports Center with him. Uh, I, I, you know, I can, I don't have a handle on that. Okay, uh, literally one word answer when I give it to you: Game of the Year, uh, Steelers and Ravens. Uh, Ravens three and a half. I think it actually went up, Kevin. I'm all right. Um, I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, no, no. I'm you know, I but I think it, it went up a little bit. My God, that is such a good game. Um, I don't know if I'd lay four. Okay. I don't know. Chargers, three-point favorites in Denver against the Broncos. I hate both those teams. Okay. I, I can't. No, but Herbert's <laughs> playing good. I mean, the quarterbacks, right. I like San Diego. I shouldn't right. say that. Denver's just a tough team to get any kind of handle on. Okay. Uh, Saints and Bears. Saints are four-point favorite in Chicago. Yeah. This is as goofy as this going is going to sound because the the 
Bears' best wide receiver is not playing. Right. So I would stay away from it. But I just kind of have a goofy feeling that the Bears will cover. I don't know if they'll win. Because New Orleans hasn't been like lights no, out this year. No. Uh, finally. Uh, nine, Seattle, San Francisco. Seattle, San Francisco. Seahawks by three in Seattle. And I know I'll, t- I'll take the Niners. See, I would. I think I would go with Seattle in, in because I just don't see Russell Wilson losing no. two in a row and losing at home. Yeah, that defense. Those but sticks. three, you know, you're like you're like that's a good game. Yeah, it I is. Mean, that's a that's a pretty good that that division is awesome. All right, Michael. Dude. So we're gonna move on to part two. Mike Silski will join us uh, in part two. So click over to that if you have it on your downloads, and we'll pay attention to you there. Uh, and we'll be right back.